Hello, and welcome to Co-op Cast. This week, Steve and Elijah will catch up on some reviews and get you all the co-op news. Welcome to Co-op Cast. My name's Steve, and this week's episode, we're going to talk about what the co-op community's been up to and focus on Lord of the Rings, the living card game by Fancy Flight Games. We're going to do two separate topics on that. One is how to get into the game, and the other is a recap of Con of the Rings, which is a convention that myself, Colin, and a new guest joining us today, Terrence, joined. So let me introduce our guest, Colin. How's it going? Fantastic, Steve. How are you? Doing great. And we have another special guest with us today, Terrence. Welcome, Terrence. Thanks, Steve. And uh, Terrence, you're, uh, we met through Slack, correct? Uh, that is correct. Um, I found out about the Slack and realized you guys were using a really outdated form of signing people up by having people fill out a Google form and then Steve would manually go and invite them one by one. Um, and as a programmer, uh, we're actually even lazier than most people. So we like to automate everything. And so I offered to set up the Slack bot or automation invite service that we use now and uh, kind of work with Steve because I don't have super cool admin access. So I had to get all those credentials from him. But yeah, so you can everyone can thank Terrence for having that automated system to join our Slack now. I think it took Steve like two weeks to invite me into the Slack or something when I initially put out the form. <laughs> Did you forget you even were like you even tried to get in? Yeah, I actually <laughs> forgot about it. I was just like listening to the podcast and I was like, uh, yeah, I guess they don't actually read that email thing. <laughs> and I got it. I got an email one day and I was like, oh, you're now invited to the Slack. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks to Terrence is a lot better now. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then we started chatting and found out that Terrence also loves Lord of the Rings, the living card game, and so one thing turned to another, and uh, we wound up uh, uh, talking about the game a lot and actually joining a convention. So, but before we get to that, I want to jump into some uh, community comments real quick. So, I must admit, um, I'm really enjoying our community on Slack. Uh, it's been hilarious recently. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Mike's uh, five, five and five review for Street Masters. He has a hilarious montage of him uh, lifting heavy games, and it's it's pretty funny. If you haven't seen, it, definitely go check it out. Well, anyway, on our community Slack, we somehow got into the trend of everyone posting their own still shots of them in a montage of lifting heavy games, and it was hilarious. Yeah, I'll I'll take credit for that. Uh, I think Jan or someone was talking about costumes, and I was like, oh, you should dress up as Mike. Yes, <laughs> and then we started seeing all these pictures of that. So that was, I didn't actually think people would do it. So that's how awesome our Slack community is. Yeah, I was actually quite impressed that people were actually doing that, and it kept going. It was amazing. Uh, and then I then learned that Mike didn't use a bandana, and it was actually a tie, I think is what he said in his original uh photo of that so he i think he's fooled us all that's actually a good idea that probably was easier for him to deal with was the tie than trying to find a actual bandana because who has it bandanas anymore come on i have like 10 of them i use them for running but mike's probably like a classic guy who has like ties it's like too many of them so you just use them as bandanas 
<laughs> Mike, a classy guy. We'll see what he says about that. <laughs> so yeah, I, rec- I highly recommend you guys join the Slack if you want to join some of the silly action that's happening on over there. I'd like to do another quick shout out to Alberto for donating to our community. It's completely unnecessary, but every every penny counts, and it re- we really appreciate it. Okay, and with that said, let's, we'll just jump right into it. So um, the rest of this podcast will be focused on Lord of the Rings, the living card game. Uh, the best game ever made, right, you guys? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, like, Mike and Peter can stop listening now. <laughs> <laughs> they probably already have. <laughs> I don't even think they're going to listen to this. But, yeah, so why we wanted to talk about this, well, uh, first of all, I mean, on the channel, in case you guys can't tell from the One Stop Co-op Shop channel, I'm just a little bit into this game right now, and we've got two other people here, Steve and Terrence, who both love the game probably more than I do, or at least at the same amount that I do, and we just happened to go to this Con of the Rings together and ended up playing half of the campaign, and that was absolutely phenomenal. It was a phenomenal experience, so we thought we'd share that, but we also thought we'd talk a little bit because I've gotten a bunch of people asking me, well, how do I start getting into Lord of the Rings? And I will say the way that I did it probably isn't the best way. And so I was really hoping that I, with Steve and Terrence here, we could get some good knowledge from people who have been playing this game for a lot longer than I have. I mean, I've only been playing this for not even a year. I mean, maybe eight months, seven months, something like that. So it'll be great to kind of see what they they suggest. I'll give my pointers as well. And then from there, we can move on to talk a little bit about the Con of the Rings and how you should try and come next year. So, Steve, can you tell us what Lord of the Rings is? I feel like maybe some people don't actually know too much if they basically been ignoring Colin's channel for the last month. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Ignoring the channel? That that hurts a little bit, Terrence. Well, I don't know. <laughs> they, they could just be here for my computer and be rudely realizing that we're now taking it over. <laughs> well, if they are, they probably aren't listening anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Lord of the Rings, the living card game, it was the first cooperative card game by, or sorry, cooperative living card game by uh, Fantasy Flight Games. And uh, what they mean by living card game is it's kind of similar to the uh, trading card game or, comp- or collectible card game format. Like you might be familiar with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, or Magic the Gathering. But the living card game, there are no random cards. Everything is known. So when you go to buy a pack of cards, you know exactly what cards you get in the deck. Uh, so there's nothing, no chasing rares or anything like that, which is really nice. But in the living card game, in Lord of the Rings specifically, you are playing as heroes of Middle Earth, and you're going against various scenarios called quests. And the, there's a number of quest cards which which uh, control the rules of the game. And generally, how you pro- win the game is by progressing through those quest cards. And in the game, you will be uh, playing allies and equipment to. Um, buff your your heroes and char- other characters and we'll be attacking enemies traveling to different locations avoiding treacheries it's there's a lot that goes on in that game and if you want to see how the game plays i only have 21 videos out on the channel so you can feel free to check any of them out uh, i do recommend if you really like the idea of a campaign style game checking out the saga videos because uh, that will kind of show you how a, uh, a campaign would play in lord of the rings and one thing to note about this game, this is a game where you need to build or create a deck before you actually sit down and play the game. So you'll be going through a bunch of cards, con- uh, constructing a deck of uh, 50 cards or more, 
and then you'll be sitting on a plane. So that might not be everyone's cup of tea. It's it's different than what you would call like a Dominion or Aeon's End type game where you build a deck in the game. Yeah, I like to call these like pre-constructed deck games. I guess more similar to like your Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon, those kind of things. Exactly. So with that said, let's talk about how best to start playing this this awesome game. So I think it's only fitting that the newcomer to our pod would start us off. So Terrence, uh, give us give us uh, some insight on what you would suggest if you had a buddy come up to you and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to play Lord of the Rings with you. How do I get into it and not feel totally overwhelmed? Well, I mean, besides flying the Collins house and just playing his copy of the game, uh, <laughs> if you want to own your own copy of the game, uh, you definitely need to pick up the core set. So similar to other board games, like you kind of need the base game and Kind of all the other fancy flight LCGs, like there's a core set box that you kind of have to get because it includes uh, usually a bunch of staple cards that are still used today. Like I still use them in my decks today. There's a bunch of those. Um, and then in addition to that, you get like the tokens and the threat counter and all the things you kind of need to actually like play with other people or yourself. So you definitely need to start with the core set box. Um, and beyond that, there's, uh, and we'll, I assume link these in the show notes. Uh, uh, Ian from the Great Company podcast actually has this blog called Tales from the Cards. Um, it's talesfromthecards.wordpress.com. And he has this new player guide uh, that's been updated since, I think, sometime this summer. So he's been kept kept it up to date for, I think, like six or seven years now as new content has come out. Um, and uh, I would definitely recommend going to that. And, like, you know, you have the core set. Definitely try and playing with that. Uh, like, the first two quests are... The first quest is very much tutorial style, so it's not going to be super challenging, but it gives you a chance to kind of learn the game without having to take on too much complexity, as some of the later quests do. Um, and then the second quest really is, I still play it today, it's one, it's like a much more interesting quest than the first one, once you kind of understand the rules and the pacing of the game better, it allows, it throws, uh, you know, some curveballs at you and, and has different pacing definitely in the first quest. You get to start to see how they're able to do a lot with just a stack of cards, which is really neat to see. Um, and the third quest is definitely really hard, especially if you only have the core set cards. Uh, I definitely wouldn't uh, feel discouraged if you're not able to beat that uh, quest out of the gate. Um, it definitely requires you digging deep and understanding the game a lot better uh, to be able to build a deck that can kind of take that on. And um, beyond that, uh, I personally kind of bought the cards in progression order. When, and what I mean by that is the order of the cards were released. And so um, I don't think we touched on this yet, but like uh, after every kind of big box release Lord of the Rings has, they also release what they call cycles in adventure packs. So there's six adventure packs that come out. And in each adventure pack, there's both player cards and a single quest that comes with it. And so the... The first cycle, which is, I believe, Shadows of Mirkwood, is a set of six cards or adventure packs that kind of continues on the path from the core set uh, set of quests uh, through Mirkwood. And so um, with those cards, it's really neat to kind of just walk through that. Um, and as you're getting into the deck building, if you go to Hall of Bjorn um, on his blog, he actually has this thing called, the, called Bjorn's Path, which he's maintained for the first 16 quests in the game where he goes through and actually builds a deck and walks through why he picks certain cards to go in the deck, uh, plays through a quest and talks about like the different cards and stuff he uses. And then for every quest, like makes changes based off of stuff that doesn't work uh, as well. And as he knows that stuff, and then as he buys new adventure packs, 
uh, he will then talk about various cards that he then decides to add into that deck. So it's a really great intro um, because it takes a while, I think, for any card game to really understand the deck building. You don't have to play it and understand all the different cards and stuff. And so for me, that was really intimidating. And that really helped me, like, when I first started getting into the game of just understanding how to even proceed and not be super overwhelmed. Terrence, that is an awesome intro. I I loved it. That's great. Now, what I see as an issue is that a lot of times Fantasy Flight has, especially those beginning packs, are out of print. So people will come to me and say, hey, how do I get into it? And this is what you've said is what I've suggested. And then they come back and say, well, I can't get any of the first cycle of Shadows of Mirkwood because it's all out of print. You know, and it, you have to wait for Fantasy Flight to print it. And it takes a while to, to print that. So let's say that someone is having a challenge finding those ones, but they can find a newer quest. Uh, do, you, do you think it's bad to jump around? Um, at the beginning, or maybe start with a specific uh, deluxe set that maybe is easier to get into, and it's more likely not to be out of print. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think at least quest-wise, um, if you buy the deluxe that is currently kind of, that has been released this year, it's definitely much easier to find. Uh, like Holland said, uh, the game has been in print since 2011, I believe, so stuff has gone in and out of print. They've reprinted stuff uh, a bunch of times at this point, so as long as you're patient and you don't pay these scalpers on eBay, which I would totally recommend because they charge you like, like each adventure pack is usually like 15 bucks. And I think like on eBay, they'll charge you like 50 or six to $80 for a pack. Uh, definitely would recommend waiting because it will eventually come back into print. Um, I think it's totally fine. Uh, one of the only issues is potentially uh, the quest may be a little more challenging based off of the power cards you have. Uh, if you're able to pick up the kind of Hobbit or like any of the saga boxes. So, uh, the game has been split into kind of two things, which is there's like the deluxe boxes, which is kind of this um, Fancy Flight's own story that they made up uh, and that they kind of walk uh, these heroes through various journeys and they're interesting in their own right and fun to play. Um, but they also have these saga boxes, which are now completely done. And there's basically two saga boxes per book of Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. And if you're able to pick those up, like... It's really a nice entry as well because it follows along with the books, so uh, it's easy to get into it if you've read the books or watched the movies or something and you're more familiar with the material. But in addition, they also have in the insert booklet, what's kind of nice is all they have these like deck lists that are in the back, and it only requires, they're built in a way that only requires a single core set and the cards in that box. So you're able to kind of get in and like build uh, a viable deck that can go and play uh, that quest and it tends to be very thematic since it's built mostly around the new cards that are coming in that box so you can definitely have like a good experience without having to own all the previous stuff terrence that is awesome that totally makes sense i had totally forgotten that they had the thematic decks inside of the rule sets for the saga the the saga deluxes so that's great that's a great place to start especially if you only have one core set and that is something that i also get questions on a lot is that you don't have to have more than one core set but there are certain cards certain cards like unexpected courage Steward of Gundor, they're ones that you may see in a lot of decks that you are that you look up online. Those cards, they only give you one of them. Some of them, they give you two. And so you'll probably need, if you really want to get into this, two core sets or potentially three. I have gotten four, actually. 
Wow, <laughs> because, four core sets. Yes, well, because the fourth one was one of the smaller ones because I wanted the smaller uh, threat dials. But, but then you bought the two-player limited edition. Well, exactly, because that was, that was before <laughs> that came out, so I didn't know that was happening. So um, I yeah, actually only own one core set, Colin. Whoa. Yeah, wow, don't tell me that. Well, you know, it's okay. I like supporting this game. I want to support it, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I feel like I've supported it plenty in the amount of cards I've bought, which is the entire card pool. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'll give you that. Um, but the other the other thing that I always have gotten questions on is, hey, you know, I really like the story part of Lord of the Rings. Uh, but starting with those first couple deluxe packs, there just really isn't much of a story. You read a small paragraph and boom, you're all of a sudden playing the quest and it just doesn't really feel thematic. So where would you suggest if someone really is interested in the story? So not even the saga story, but just having a story, which of the deluxe packs starts you on actually having that storyline with the epilogue, all of that stuff? Um, I'm just, I just don't know where that is. Yeah, uh, so was this person Mike? I feel like you're talking about Mike here. <laughs> well, basically, uh, <laughs> basically I'm talking about Mike and Peter who say that there's no story in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so uh, I believe actually the Lost Realm, which is the fifth cycle, um, well, the, that's the fifth <clears throat> deluxe box and the cycle is called Angmar Awaken. Uh, that's where they started kind of linking the, the kind of deluxe boxes together, which is kind of neat. So if you play through the whole cycle in the insert, it'll say, you know, it'll have like a little flavor text, uh, similar to like Argahorn before you start a scenario. Um, and once you play it, there'll be a box actually that says do not read until you like beat in the quest. Um, and so you can read that section. And so for each one, there's actually this story that you follow through from Lost Realm. And then when you're done with that, when you go to the sixth box, which is the Grey Havens, um, it actually continues right at the end of the sixth pack of Angmar Awakened. So you have this continuation. So um, we're on the eighth cycle now, so from the fifth cycle all the way to the eighth, like it's actually been one continuous story, which is kind of neat. So you get to see going through kind of the Dunedain era in the Lost Realm, uh, all the way to the Great Havens, which is kind of this sea sailing, uh, seafaring kind of quest. So it's like really different. You get to play around with ships and stuff, which is kind of neat. And then you then end up uh, ashore at the end of uh, Great Havens in like the beachy sands of Harad, and so you enter this town and you get run out of it and you get to roam across the desert and stuff and then now we're kind of into uh Rovanian uh, which is uh, where you know Mirkwood and and some of those things that you might know of from Lord of the Rings like Rovanian's kind of this huge area so uh we're now kind of going through that and we're still really early into it because we're only I think uh the three quests from the deluxe box plus now there's only been two packs out so five out of the eight quests in and so we don't really know where it's going to go from here but it's neat to see them change that from kind of discrete stories that were just one continuous thing which i think they started actually in like heirs of numenor i think was the time when it was like you would have a deluxe box and all the quests from the deluxe box would continue into the adventure packs i believe the first two cycles were kind of very discrete separate things so like the shadows of murkwood was not a continuation of the core set box from the first cycle. And then Cause of Doom, which is the second box, was also a separate set of three quests from the rest of the uh, second cycle, which I don't remember the name of that. Dwarodelf. Dwarodelf, yep. Yeah. Cool. Also mentioned that Heirs uh, of Numenor, that cycle is a little, it's more challenging on the more challenging side. So if you're jumping, thinking about jumping into the game, I would probably shy away from that cycle until you have a 
decent sized carpool. I mean, I think any other cycle is probably fine to jump into, though. The the biggest challenge is I think some of the stronger cards are in the Numenor cycles too because they did make the quests more challenging if I remember right. So if you are also looking for more powerful cards, you might want to look at the Numenor cycle to kind of get you your first set of more powerful uh, player cards as well. Uh, I think one of the things we haven't mentioned yet is there's actually this great resource called ringsdb.com where you can actually find these decks. Uh, well, it's like this deck building uh, community just around Lord of the Rings, which is really nice. Um, if, if you're if you're doing Arkham Horror, you, there's like Arkham DB, so this is based off of the same source. Arkham is actually forked off of the Rings DB stuff, so it's like the same ex- very similar experience uh, for deck building. So you can actually go online, and what's nice is uh, even if you don't own the whole card pool, you can actually input in your profile what boxes and card packs you do own. And so when you go and deck build, uh, it will actually restrict the cards that they show to you from the card pool. So you can even input like how many core sets you have, except I don't think you can put in four. They only like put in three. Uh, That's ridiculous. That's... You should put it in four. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they have, uh, so it allows you to like, as you're getting to the game, really like do deck building in a way that works for you. And then you also get to see all the decks that people have published. So uh, you can see all the decks I've put up. You can see the stuff like that Colin and I have, or Colin and Steve as well. Uh, have and I posted the stuff that we use actually for Con of the Rings uh, as one of my published decks Um, and so you kind of see like the various decks and get an idea of how they work and then you can also look up for all the cards like how far into this to the game do you need to be and like uh, if you look up a deck it will actually show you what cards you don't own once you've logged in and put in all that stuff so you can kind of see the cards that you are missing so it's a great resource in that sense. I have to say I've built every one of my decks on RingsDB. It's an amazing resource. I highly recommend using that if you're at all into this game. You can tell the age of how long people played this game because there's the people who have had to build decks pre-RingsDB and post-RingsDB. It's like, it's like the <laughs> Facebook thing, right? It's like you can tell like the millennial kids like who had Facebook and who didn't like until they're an adult. So what are you saying? Am I, I'm still a kid in Lord of the Rings uh, version? Cause... Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I'm only eight months. So yeah, I'm only eight months old. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we uh, use RingsDB quite a bit for designing our, our decks for uh, Con of the Rings. So I'd like to start talking about that. And So what is this Con of the Rings? This was a player-created convention set up in Roseville, Minnesota. So not too far from where Colin actually and it was uh, this year, earlier this year in October, October 12th through the 14th. And it was designed to be focusing around Lord of the Rings, the living card game. With the intention of having all the players kind of collectively play through the entire uh, saga campaign. Yeah, it actually was, it had an interesting story getting started. Uh, they talked about it, I think, on the Cardboard of the Rings podcast, which is a podcast that's just focused on lord of the rings um the second best podcast out there i'll just say that right now no. <laughs> <laughs> uh for those of you who don't know colin's actually a guest or maybe he's actually a new host now that he's like kind of taking a break for a co-op cast uh on the next cardboard of the rings episode so yeah i am super excited for that super excited that'll be sometime in mid-november but they talked about on not this last episode that came out, but the episode before that is focused on Cardboard of the Rings. Um, uh, not the special one, but the the first episode of Cardboard of the Rings, or kind of the rings that they're talking about. Um, and they had the, the Free Man of the North, uh, who is what they call themselves, who organized it. I don't know why Colin doesn't play with these guys, because they actually live 
near him, but they, you know, they, they, they went to Gen Con and they kind of wanted to bring the best parts of Gen Con that they enjoyed back in their hometown and figure out a way to get people to come out to Roseville, Minnesota and, and play with them. And so it actually wasn't supposed to be, I think, a Lord of the Rings thing at first. I think it was, they were just thinking about a generic board game thing, but then uh, they all were really into Lord of the Rings and they felt like that was probably one of the best ways to get an event that was kind of niche and special. Um, and fast forward, I guess, till now, I, the three of us went and I spent a few hundred dollars just to go play this game. There was nothing like it. I mean, to be honest, I've been to Gen Con now and I've been to Con of the Rings and I would go to Con of the Rings again in a heartbeat over Gen Con just because of a couple things. First of all, it was uh, a blast being around 70 other people that are just as geeky about a specific game as you are. Now, you can kind of get that at Gen Con, but so I went to the Lord of the Rings events at Gen Con and they were very sparsely populated. People kind of went out and played their own thing. And I, I, it didn't really feel like there was a community of people there. But when we went to the Con of the Rings, it was everybody was there. You could see, oh, how did this person set up all of their encounter cards in their box? Oh, look at this box. It's all it's got an insignia of Lord of the Rings on it. Oh, this person's using these really cool tokens. You know, and people were coming around. Oh, what type of deck are you playing? Oh, what quest are you playing? And it was just so fun. Yeah, it was also just really easy to pick up a game. Uh, like. The three of us coordinated to play, but like I got kind of sniped to go play another game before I could even say hi to them. Uh, and so it was just like super friendly community. It's uh, I think they actually on Saturday got to like a hundred people as well. So that was super nice to see like just like a community. And then the other thing that was really cool is that the Caleb Grace, who's the lead designer now on Lord of the Rings, the game, like came and did a Q and A, and I actually got to go meet and talk with him and. Super nice guy, and I do not know Lord of the Rings as well as he does, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good thing, Terrence. (laughs) But yeah, so what they did is not only were most people, I should say this, most people were playing the game like one-off parts of the saga. So we were trying to have every quest completed over the three-day weekend. But they also had these achievements, which were super fun to do. So one achievement for a specific quest was, oh, fail all of the high tests against the Black Riders and still win the quest. Or uh, give Pippin up to the Balrog and still win the quest. You know, um, what was the other one? Have 15 different trees in one of for like uh, Ents? They're called yes. Ents, bro. Ah, trees. <laughs> trees. They're trees to me. Awesome <laughs> trees, but trees. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Ents, because they actually aren't trees. They're supposed to be more human-like than trees. Uh, supposed to have 15 different Ents out. And if you do that, you'd get an, you, you've completed an achievement. And then we actually got entries into giveaways. We got tons of free stuff. I think I won them six or seven times steve won once (laughs) (laughs) terrence won at least what two or three times i won twice i think twice yeah i i did win five times you guys that's kind of insane i don't know how that happened but uh anyways it was a lot of fun and they also had free swag so we all got uh specific tokens that we could use for our game and a token box yeah so cool yeah i felt so not into the community because I was just humbled by how into and how nice the people were, uh, especially with regards to the swag. So I think one of the people in the community, Splice on Discord, uh, actually works for Broken Token. So like the swag we got was this uh, the Bit Token thing that you can buy right off of uh, Broken Token. 
but there was a special engraving for Con of the Rings 2018 based off the logo, which was really cool. And so all of us who just attended got it. And I think it costs like $30 or so to buy that thing, not including shipping or whatever. And that was literally the price I paid for the Kickstarter ticket, right? Like something along those lines. And so it was kind of crazy that they were able to do that. And then in addition, uh, Splice, who uh, works at Broken Token, went and I think he said he spent like one or two weeks worth of like working hours worth to hand stain every token that we got. So for all the tokens that you get in the course at Fox, like a damage token, a resource token, and progress tokens, um, he went and hand stained all of them uh, so that he can give them out to us. And that's just like how nice some of the people are. I mean, one of the FF guy, uh, the Fantasy Flight Interactive people who are doing the Lord of the Rings digital card game uh, that you can check out on Steam, it's an early access. Uh, they were they came to you know talk about their game, but also just to see how I guess like the hardcore fans, uh, if you will, play the game. And I think one of the most interesting observations was how quiet the room was because people were so into the game, right? And and it like versus like uh, one of their, their community persons like really into com competitive games historically in the past for kind of joining FFI and other things. And uh, says like it's much rowdier when you're playing a competitive card game. And he was just really amazed and impressed by like how quiet and into the game people were. Well, I think it also has to do with <laughs> when you do those competitive ones, I haven't been to one in a long time, but when I was used, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh competitively and you always had the problem of people didn't end at the same time and you didn't really have anything to do. So then you go around and then people are always complaining about rules and they have different opinions on what that card's supposed to do. In Lord of the Rings, if Terrence played a card that he did wrong, I didn't care, right? I mean, we're, we're just trying to do what, you know, play the game. And, and so it wasn't nearly as much of an issue. Although... Didn't they do a video of all of us pretending we had rules problems? That was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yes, they did. That was fun. I mean, every time we had a problem with the rules, I thought we just sent Steve to go find out from <laughs> yes. someone else who knew the rules better to figure out what we did wrong. We did make Steve do everything. It was awesome. Yes, thank you, Steve, for doing that. <laughs> not a problem. It was fun. And it's not like we made any mistakes while we played either. Like, oh, yeah, I have four quest points I can give you. You've been struggling for the past... <laughs> yeah couple of rounds, haven't you? So. Breaking of the fellowship. Oh, wait, I can actually help you. Let me give you a plus four. <laughs> you didn't do that the other five rounds? Uh, no. <laughs> do, do you guys want to talk about breaking the fellowship? I felt like out of all the quests, that was probably one of the most epic ones. Absolutely. So we did play, and I should say, we did play campaign style, and I don't know how much we want to talk about the quests in case people don't want to have it spoiled. Sure. But, I mean, in this quest, just know that at some point, all the people that are playing it could potentially be in a different staging area. And then you might have somebody that needs additional help. And you can help them or you don't have to help them. But in order to win, that person has to succeed. So you kind of need to help them, right? So <laughs> and, Steve did both of those things. Yeah, yeah. Steve really <laughs> didn't notice that for a while. So, uh, you know, poor Terrence over there was having a bit of an issue. And, and Caleb and I were trying to do everything we could, right? And it was going round after round after round. And then all of a sudden, Steve comes out of nowhere while Terrence is counting up how much question he's got. He goes, plus four. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, plus four, because he's got Galadriel in a ring. And he just goes, plus four. We go, plus four what? He goes, plus four questing. What? What? Plus, Terrence just looks at him going, what? You could have done that every round. I could have gotten out of this sooner. <laughs> so hilarious. And, oh. and I guess to be, to talk about that, like, once I got out, we all won. So, yeah. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> I just like to think Steve really loved his staging area so much that he just wanted to keep keep it going. I was having a lot of fun. Yep. Well, let's... well, the other thing I was trying to get, I was trying to clear my staging area, but you guys kept passing me. Uh, guys would kill my allies immediately, and I only had like one ally at, out at any given time. Yeah, he never had allies. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. I can never actually clear it, so I never actually considered like, trying to see if I can help you out because I was trying to focus on my own areas. It was hilarious. It was really fun. So, but yeah, like we played the whole, we played the uh, the campaign. Um, we made it all the way through um, Isengard. First, all the way yeah, Isengard. first three boxes, which is mm-hmm. like, I guess, halfway. There's six boxes in total. Yeah, and then we did the two print on demands. I can't remember if we did both. I think we did both of Steve on our own. Right or did they come in on Fog of the Barrel Downs? I can't remember. No, we we skipped all the lame quests. Oh, the lame, yeah, you did skip all the lame quests. Yeah, those ones are. They're, they're not lame. actually lame. They're just kind of uh, like one of them. I think is the old forest, right? And like thematically, you actually get lost a lot, so um, it it can be a little bit of a longer kind of windy quest, which fits the theme thematically. But uh, having already played that, I didn't need to experience it again. I have to say, if you want to see that, it's currently right now going on my channel. I have posted the first part. The second part will be posted tomorrow. And what got me were the walls of trees. So you don't really get lost as much as you get full of trees that you have to get through. That's kind of annoying. But it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, each one... I think the big thing about this game itself is that each quest, they really tweak it just a little bit and just enough for you to always not know what's going to happen next and it's so exciting to see how you can with your deck of cards be able to defeat this encounter deck and when you're playing the campaign you get to add these boons and burdens and there's choices that you have to make and when you make those choices they're everlasting so i could have i could have you guys given gandalf up to the balrog and i didn't and because I was selfish, aka I just really didn't want to have to build a new deck while we were there, <laughs> but because I was selfish, things happened that were really annoying. So, yeah, that's that's <laughs> part of something that I really like about the Saga quests and something we, that... Yeah, go ahead. We paid them for those consequences forever. Yeah, we did. We kept paying for them every blasted round. And every time they looked at me, well, you could have sacrificed somebody. Because, see, I was first player when that happened. (laughs) So it only could have been me. And, of course, I was playing Gandalf as a hero. So it was absolutely perfect. But I really just didn't want to build a new deck while we were playing. No, I'm not going to do it. Come on. I'm going to keep going. So, yeah, that was on me. We should have. It it, it just felt so thematic. I know, and I, I, I broke the thematicness. I apologize. But regardless, it was just a really great experience. I wish that we could finish it. It's just going to be hard because we're all in four different places. But uh, Maybe next year we can do it. But uh, speaking of kind of the, the, the quests and encounter decks being so unique, one of the things that was really fun for me through the quest was I actually brought all my player cards all the way from Texas, uh, which total pain because the library is actually kind of big now, turns out. After, what is it, seven, eight years, uh, they release a lot of stuff. Um, but what was kind of neat was that, um, I, you know, I get, we, we did this deck building thing. We only tested it one time, so it wasn't really clear how successful we'd be. And over the course of the campaign, every quest, my deck became less good at the thing I originally designed it at because I was starting to introduce cards that we needed to have answers to various things. And so I was taking out the things that kind of made the deck like have synergy with itself just to have answers that benefit the group, but it made my deck like actually worse over time. Um, and so going into that breaking the fellowship, we're talking about like Steve was talking about having no allies. I'm pretty sure that I, when I went to that quest area, I had like nothing because I was like 
healing everyone and like oh, yeah. doing all this stuff. We, Terrence was the giver of the group. He uh, he would give Steve a resource every round. He would heal everybody because <laughs> he had Elrond yep. and he had the Warden of Healing. He'd pull out one card every once in a while, like a really good ally, and then it would immediately get killed by some sort of encounter card effect. <laughs> and so all this <laughs> stuff was happening to him. He was helping everybody else's board state, and then boom, he had to be the one that had to win the specific breaking of the fellowship. So it was actually really thematic to me because then after that, Caleb and I, I'm not going to talk about what Steve was doing but caleb and i were like okay we'll help we'll help we'll help (laughs) steve was kind of off on his own thing but so you know we were trying to help him trying to help him and then steve at the end did give the plus four to get him over the hump (laughs) but no it was great it was great it was epic yeah i like that quest and i also like the helm's deep that was that was also epic for four player Yeah, yeah that one and I did like the one with the Balrog, too. I thought how they did that was awesome. And, and how uh, they have a card that says boom, boom, boom. And all you can think of in your mind, if you've read the book or if you've watched the movie or both, you can just imagine that boom, boom, boom as you're placing counters on it going, oh, my gosh, it's going to come. <laughs> He's going to come. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. I was hoping you brought a drum while we're since you were local that you could have brought during the quest <sighs> and the time to help make it more thematic. You know I am a drummer, so I have tons of drums. I could have brought a drum. I did not so. know you were a drummer. Oh, yeah. I, I'm now, like, even more disappointed now. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel really bad. You know, I, it, it was funny that we, here I am. I'm local, and we played with all of Steve's encounter cards because apparently it's not okay to not sleeve your cards. So I have now sleeved my entire saga, <laughs> as you guys will see in the playthroughs. So I have changed that. So now next time, hopefully, we can play with my cards <laughs> so Steve doesn't have to bring his. I did think it was surprising you asked Steve to bring his cards when you had all the cards and you were local. Hey, now, so there is a reason. They asked people to bring extra sets in case people didn't have enough. So Steve brought his old set in case someone needed something, and then it ended up we used his, not mine. How many people did you hand out your quest cards to? I think I was the only one, one. who took it and then gave it back to you because it wasn't No, no, Steve. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was just you. I pulled him out and you're like, no, this is not sleeved. What is this? I said, okay, we'll put it away. We'll play with Steve's because he's got it right there. <laughs> so that's what we did. But I will mention that that was a really nice thing about that. People walk around asking, hey, do you have this scenario? Can I borrow your cards? And people were very, very nice and willing to help each other out at that, that convention. It was great. There was actually a guy, Derek, who's also on the Great Company podcast that I was mentioning earlier. He actually came to the con and brought nothing but like clothes and toiletries in his backpack. So he didn't bring any cards, no tokens, no quests or anything. And he had a great time, you know, like people were happy to lend him all that stuff. And so he was able to play throughout the whole weekend. So anyways, it was just a great, it was a great experience. Highly recommended if you're at all interested in Lord of the Rings. And hey, if you come all the way up to Minnesota, you get to see us. You get to see where I'm from. You get to see the snow because, yes, we did have snow when... uh I think that was on Sunday, so that was wonderful. (laughs) Do you guys remember when it's going to be next year? Did they say? They're not sure yet? October 4th to 6th. They've announced it already, so they've locked in all that stuff. Great. So I know I'm going to be going for sure. I hope to see you guys there. (laughs) I've penciled into my calendar. So Good, good. Yeah, I guess to kind of cap off uh, for people who are definitely getting into the game, there's a bunch of resources out there online, a bunch of blogs. there's two main podcasts I listen to. Uh, we allude to Cardboard of the Rings, um, and they're probably like the biggest one that's been around for the longest time. Um, they do a bunch of really cool gatherings that I guess Colin did not get involved with at Gen Con, and so that was kind of the impetus of like 
stuff for uh, Con of the Rings was like, it was neat to just get that cool community gathering, but not have it be at Gen Con and, and have people who actually took showers and stuff in, in a room, you know? <laughs> And so uh, <laughs> that's Cardboard of the Rings. And they also have a Discord room. Uh, so Discord, if you're not familiar, is like Slack. It's a, you know, chat service, but it's really built around uh, gaming. So, uh, you know, they do voice chat and all this other stuff. Um, and so they have their own Discord that is really kind of the main Lord of the Rings, the card game Discord that I know of. And so most of the people who you met at Con of the Rings, so everyone except Colin, I guess, is probably in that Discord um, and there's actually a Con of the Rings channel, so it's been nice because I've been able to keep in touch with people who played uh, at Con of the Rings, or I guess I didn't really play with them, but uh, I'm now talking to them, and we've actually been doing like weekly game nights on Octagon. Um, so Octagon, for those of you who aren't familiar, is a kind of card game platform, um, octagon.net, uh, that's O-C-T-G-N.net, and uh, there's a Lord of the Rings mod, uh, and you can download image packs and stuff and kind of play the games online. And then uh, there's another podcast called Great Company Podcasts, and that's where I mentioned Hall Bjorn, but he's one of the co-hosts on there. Uh, the guy who does like the new player buying guide uh, is a host on it, and uh, there's another guy, Matt, and then Derek, who I mentioned before, who didn't bring anything to the Rings. Uh, they're the four hosts on that, and they talk about the game. Plus, uh, if you're doing the book readings like Colin's doing, it's really nice because they actually talk about different sections of the book, and they're doing like a progression book thing, which is really fun. Um, and then beyond that, there's hallbjorn.com. Besides the blog, he has like a card search, which is really great. And it also works on mobile, so that's nice. And then uh, CardGameDB is the FFG official website that does deck building and form and kind of community stuff around that. But I think most of the Lord of the Rings community has kind of shifted away into RingsDB and kind of the Discord room. So it's not nearly as active. But yeah, I think that's a bunch of resources uh, if you're looking for a broader community of just like where a lot of activity happens. And if you want, you can look in the show notes for this podcast and we'll have links to all the other things we mentioned there. And with that said, let's uh, wrap up this episode. So thanks for joining us and feel free to join us on our Slack and I'll have a link to, to join us Slack in the show notes as well. If you want to shoot us an email, you can reach us at onestopcoopshop at gmail.com or mvpboardgames at gmail.com. Um, we'll try to get back to you with any emails you send to us. And join us next week when Elijah and I cover Imperial Salt Co-op campaign. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And I hope you will join us in our Lord of the Rings because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun talking about this. And always happy to talk more about Lord of the Rings. Hit me up on the Slack. Definitely. That's going to conclude this episode 56. And we'll see you guys at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. It's okay. I can filter them out. It's not that bad. So, okay. You can filter out kids? Can you do that in real life, too? That'd be amazing. Well, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I think that we just sat silenced your track for the entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Colin? Oh, that's great. That's great. We just replay the kid track yeah. over Colin's thing. Wah, wah. So, Colin, what do you think of what do you think of Lord of the Rings? Wah. Wah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
So Terrence, uh, I guess let's give a quick introduction how we met and now. Uh... Yeah, yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> we <did it> again. <laughs> You rock, Alberto. <laughs> if you cut that out, it's totally fine. <laughs> no, I'm probably gonna leave it in. No. Oh, I, I was waiting for the Colin song. <laughs> Alberto, you rock. There you go. Okay. Okay. Right. Now that's gonna be part of the end credits. <laughs> yes. Is that like one of the benefits you get for donating? Yes. Sing to you. Yes, I will sing <laughs> your name over and over again to a random note progression that I'm making up in the back of my head. <laughs> I don't know. Love it.